We're going to have a few announcements before we jump into our pre-service prayer. Um, there's a lot going on at Refuge. And so if you're here and you're like, hey, I found the sanctuary, um, that's awesome. That's half the battle. But if you have a child or if you have a youth under the age of 14, we want to point out that you can get them checked in downstairs. You can cruise down there. Um, they'll walk you through everything. And then they will actually be dismissed at a later point in the service just before preaching. So make sure you cruise down there, get checked in. It's going to be safe. It's going to be a good time. And I hear the bridge is going to be awesome today. So anybody 11 to 14 might want to be there for that. And we know Rock Church is awesome every time. So we are excited for everything that's going to happen down there. A few quick announcements. Everybody look at your neighbor. Say Bible Quiz Launch. Bible Quiz Launch. The Bible Quiz Launch is today at the Dornbach Home. And if you're like, I don't even know what that is. Or if you're like, I'm not going to Bible Quiz, but I'm interested. This is for everybody who's interested in Bible Quizzing, everybody who is Bible Quizzing. It's going to be a great time. So pizza's involved. So, you know, go over, check it out. And uh, you can find out a little bit about this great ministry. So that is starting today. Also, look at your other neighbor and say, have you signed up for a small group? And then you can feel free to answer that. <laughs> and if you answered that question, no, then guess what? This is your last day to sign up. So this is your last day to sign up for small group. So after this, everybody's going to be hanging out, small grouping, and you guys are going to be left out. So you don't want to be that person. So right outside the doors, there are QR codes you can scan. Um, it'll give you info about the different small groups. One of them's today that may involve volleyball. So you don't want to miss out on these things. I'm telling you, they're coming with or without you. They're going to be awesome. So make sure you sign up. Church Center app outside for the QR codes. And then uh, also next Sunday, Brother Stan Gleason is going to be with us up here in the sanctuary. It's going to be a great time. So be a bringer. If you're like, hey, I think Brother Gleason's awesome. I'm going to go. What you can do is think, hey, this week, what can I do to get somebody to come with me? And then do that thing. And then we'll have a great time because we know that he's going to have a word for us. And lastly, if you are part of the hyphen group, and if you're like, I don't know what hyphen group is, that is for ages 18 to 30. The hyphen group, there is going to be a hyphen retreat October 12th through the 14th. Registration is open. It's in O'Fallon, Missouri. Great speakers. Uh, there is a fee. So make sure that you register soon. I'm sure spots are filling up and it will be a great time. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite all of us to stand together, find your seats, and we are getting ready uh, to enter into a time of prayer. So before we jump into prayer, though, um, some things came to my attention this week about me um, that maybe is obvious to everyone, but not so much to me, and that is about being engaged, because I'm pretty good about being in places, but I'll just be honest, I'm not the best like, at engaging in the moment. I always have something else on my mind, it seems like. Um, and I thought about that, and like, I, need, I need to work on that as a person. But then I thought about, hey, I'm coming to church today. I've got bridge coming up in a minute. Um, there's stuff happening, small group kickoffs, all this stuff is happening. Uh, how engaged am I in this service right now? How, how engaged am I in what's about to happen? And as we get ready to start this service, you know the level of engagement we bring is going to be met by God. It is. He loves us. He wants to do great things in this service. He wants to pour out his spirit. He wants to forgive us of all of our sins. He wants to do life-changing things. But if we come in and we're just like, eh, it's another service, nothing slapped me upside the face, so I guess I'm just going to leave the same. 
that one's on us. So right now as we get ready to pray, I'm going to invite you to just put everything out of your mind, everything that you've got coming, everything that you've got going, everything that you brought in. And I'm going to invite you for just a few moments to close your eyes, lift up a hand, and let's engage, and let's see what God does with an engaged church. Jesus, God, we are here and we are in your presence on a Sunday afternoon. And because of that, there is nothing in this world that is more important than what we are about to do right now. So God, we ask that you would walk into this building. God, we ask that you would walk into this place and that you would take your absolute liberty. God, that you would come into our hearts, that you would come into our minds, that you would come into this service schedule. God, that you would come into these songs. God, that you would preach through the preacher. God, that you would come into this place and that you would accomplish the things, God, that you want to accomplish. God, I ask that you would wash us and cleanse us, God, of all of our sins right now. Please forgive us of everything that we brought in, every distraction, God, every temptation. God, we bind it in Jesus' name and we cast that away. God, because we know that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God, where you are, anything can happen and we wanna prepare our hearts and we wanna prepare our minds. God, so we ask that you move into this place, God, and that you would take authority over those things that would keep us from you. And then, God, we want to thank you for everything that you've already done. God, we want to thank you for your presence being in this building right now. We want to thank you that you would visit with us, God, on a Sunday afternoon. God, we want to thank you for the miracles that are going to take place in this service. God, we want to thank you for the life-changing presence of God that is going to be in the front, in the back, and throughout this entire place, Jesus. God, we will worship you and praise you for everything that you have already done, but we are believing for great things to happen in this place, for life-changing things to happen in this place on this day, because that is who you are, and that is what you are capable of, God. And we will thank you for everything that you do. God, and we will praise you for everything that you do, for it is by you we live. It is by you we breathe. It is by you that we have our being. And right now in Liberty, on a Sunday afternoon, God, we pray that you would shift the atmosphere in this city. God, and that you would step foot in our presence and that nothing would be the same because wherever you are, God, we know that there is power and authority that comes with it. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Let's clap our hands unto him as the praise team comes. How many knows that our God is more than enough, that he can provide whatever that we need, whatever we need, and so much more than that, the things that we want to. He is a provider. He is a savior. He is a healer. And he's here in this place. Let's sing his prayer. He can supply all my needs. He is my El He always looks out for me. Supply all my needs, he is my El Shaddai. He always comes out of my 
supply what we need. Amen. The Bible, we have the story of the feeding of 5,000. It was perhaps Jesus, Jesus' most famous miracle, and it's the largest audience that Jesus had for any of his miracles. Jesus asked where they could find enough bread to feed the multitude. The disciples soon learned that when Jesus asked this question, he was not looking for information. His question was to test them, because when Jesus asks you a question, he always knows the answer. One of his disciples, Philip, figured out it would take eight months of wages to feed such a large gathering. And he failed the test here because Jesus, he was more disappointed in his lack of faith than the lack of food. There was a little boy who donated his lunch that contained five loaves of bread and two fishes. But even this was very small. A loaf was a small, brittle wafer the size of a small, small mini pancake. And the word fish refers to a sea creature the size of a sardine. Not a big fish, not a big old catfish that Brother Andrew Potker's catching, but just a small little sardine. After Jesus gave thanks and blessed this little lunch, it fed 5,000 men. In addition to them, also the women and children, perhaps over 20,000 people, an estimate, with 12 baskets full of leftovers. And you see, what we have to give today is more than enough when we place it in the master's hands. When we give what we have to God, he can do more than we can ever imagine. It may look small to us, but it's more than enough for God. 
He gives us more than enough of what we need, and so let's give him what we have, because he can multiply it. Amen, amen. Let's continue in the atmosphere of praise this evening. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, why don't you lift your hands and praise to the Lord today? He's so good. He reigns in victory. Heaven's angels all around My delight is found in knowing That you wear the victor's crown You're my help and my defender You're my savior and my friend By your grace I live and breathe to worship you At the mention of your greatness in your name I will bow down In your presence fear is silent For you wear the victor's crown Let your glory fill this temple Let your power overflow By your grace I live and breathe to worship you
ground But the grave could not contain you For you were the victors The Bible says where two or three agree on any one thing, that it cannot be restrained from them. And as a group of believers with over a hundred of us here, imagine what would take place as if we sang that song, we sang it with faith, that anything that's standing in front of us, it has to fall, that nothing can stand before us. So let's sing that again in unity, in one mind, and in one accord, that says, every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You'll overcome. You'll overcome. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. In the name of Jesus, you wear the victor's crown. You'll overcome. You'll overcome. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the 
presence of the Lord is such a sweet thing, a sweet thing that we felt these past couple Sundays and what I feel here today, such a tangible presence of the Lord. And sometimes we take that for granted because we've lived in this, we've grown up in this maybe, and we take the presence of the Lord for granted. But sometimes we just need a fresh wind, a fresh fire of the Holy Ghost to fall on us. So that way we just stand in the presence of the Lord, not worrying about anybody else around us, not worrying about how we sound, not worrying about anything, but just focusing on the presence of the Lord. And we want our Lord to take us there because our efforts can't do that. Our efforts can't do that. We obey God and then His Spirit descends upon us and we can feel His glory. We feel His presence as we walk in the Spirit of the Lord, as we invite His Spirit to come into our hearts, into our lives, into our spirit. And it is a beautiful thing to be in the presence of the Lord that we must never take for granted. Take me to the place where your peace and your love overflow. Where my heart is set free from all shame and guilt, chains are undone. Take me there. Take me there. Hey, 
Take me to the place where your peace and your love overflows me, where my heart is set free from all shame and guilt, chains are run.
Just cry holy and you come like a rushing wind. I can't speak or stand. Just cry holy and you come like a rushing wind. I can't speak or stand. Just cry holy and you come like a rushing wind. I can't speak or stand. Just cry holy and you come Like a rushing wind I can't speak or stand Just cry holy and you come Like a rushing wind I can't speak or stand Just cry holy and you come Like a rushing wind I can't speak or stand here maybe you're online or you're here today and you've been reading studying wondering about the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues if this is for you and I want you to know it is I was over here praying and God felt like God just wanted me to tell somebody is everyone hearing me it sounds a little strange up here everybody hearing me good I feel like God just wants me to tell somebody that it's for you it's for you. That God wants to fill you with His Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And if you've been reading, studying, and wondering, 
If you've been reading, studying, and wondering, today could be your day. It could be your day. That's all I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to hype you up. I'm not going to try to excite you. I'm just going to give you truth that God knows where you are. He knows what you're reading. He knows what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're reading, what you're studying, what you're thinking about, praying about, and God will meet you. And if you want to know what it will feel like for his spirit to descend upon you, his spirit will fill you. It's a promise if you so desire. And before you leave today or before you click X or X out of this live stream, God will do it right where you're at. You don't even have to be in this building. You can be right there in your bedroom, living room, and God will do it. Praise God. Praise God. Well, we know we have bridge, bridge breakout for the ages 11 to 14, and then Rock Church for ages 4 to 11. We're going to dismiss them right now. The rest of you, before, as you're getting seated, grab your digital device right now. Grab that phone or that iPad, whatever you got. And who knows if something that was sung today, something that's going to be spoken today might impact someone across the world. So why don't you just share this service right now on social media? Just share it and just say, hey, check out our service from today or feel free to tune in. And you just never know how many thousands, if everybody here shared this today, how many thousands of people would have an opportunity to feel what you just felt or to hear what you're about to hear. And so we invite you to share that today. Praise God. Well, it's great to be here Sunday afternoon with everybody. You can be seated. As many of you know, we have a family member who was, who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And uh, our lives changed instantly in December of 2018. Overnight, boom, changed instantly. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease in which insulin-producing beta cells in the pancreas are mistakenly destroyed by the body's immune system. T1D, as it's called, seems to have a genetic component, and it occurs both in adults and in children. It causes, its causes are not fully known, and there's currently no cure. People with type 1 are dependent on injected or pumped insulin to survive. Type 2 diabetes is often diagnosed later in life and can be due to genetic predisposition or behavior. Type 2 is a metabolic disorder in which a person's body still produces insulin, but it's unable to use it effectively. Type 2 diabetes management includes diet and exercise or medication. More serious cases of type 2 require insulin therapy. So now, see, now you have a little bit of edge. I, I couldn't have probably told you the difference. Between, before December 2018, I probably could not have told you the difference. And I might, might have been one of those people that said, well, can't you just eat better and it'll fix it? Um, type 1 is not that way. It is an autoimmune disease. And so a few years later, though, July 2021, my wife was dealing with some things, and she went to see a doctor. He, she found out that she has an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's disease. Hashimoto's thyroiditis can cause your thyroid to not make enough thyroid hormone. 
And it occurs when your body makes antibodies that attack the cells in your thyroid. Symptoms may include an enlarged thyroid gland, tiredness, weight gain, muscle weakness. It can also impact your voice, your breathing. Two things that are crucial to life, but also crucial to my wife serving as our worship leader here at the church. And so our family had heard of autoimmune diseases, but we never had personal experience with them until the past several years. They definitely change your life. How many of you are willing to say, you know what, either you yourself or you know someone that has an autoimmune disease? <clears throat> Quite a few. And so it changes your comfort level. It makes things inconvenient. And it can be life-threatening, and it's a 24-7 job. Now, an autoimmune disorder occurs when a person's immune system mistakenly attacks their own body tissues. Autoimmune disorders are broadly grouped into two categories, one being organ-specific, meaning one organ is affected by it, or non-organ-specific disorders where multiple organs or body systems may be affected. In each case, the body misfires. It begins to attack its own healthy organs, falsely identifying them as foreign invaders. Your immune system is supposed to protect and guard your organs, such as your kidneys, liver, pancreas, colon, thyroid, and the list goes on. But now it turns into the enemy and attacks the very things that it was supposed to protect. And so today I want to speak on this topic entitled Spiritual Autoimmune Disease. Spiritual Autoimmune Disease. This is like the second time in probably six weeks that I talked about medical stuff. Third time in six weeks? Wow, my medical school is coming out. <laughs> and by medical school, it means I'm related to people who are pursuing medical things. And they will tell me later where I was incorrect in some of the things that I've told you. Um, but this can happen in a spiritual world. Just in the natural world, spiritual autoimmune diseases come to attack God's people. These attacks are invisible. Certainly, we were in tune to some things in our family that made us like, ah, this doesn't seem right, let's go look into this. But ultimately, an autoimmune disease is working behind the scenes. You are walking by people today who are impacted by autoimmune disease, and you have zero idea. Now, because of what we're going through, we could be at Worlds of Fun yesterday for the Bible quiz outing and see a G7 on the back of a young lady's arm, and we talked to her parents about how she's type 1. But before December 2018, I wouldn't have any faintest idea what that was or what the purpose of that was or the challenges that they were facing. They come through the hallways of our own minds. They walk through the open doors of our thoughts. You see, like physical autoimmune diseases, we often don't recognize them until they're too late. Symptoms start to show there are problems. We don't always recognize thoughts as invaders. They come from inside of us. The fight takes place in an unexpected arena. It's against yourself. And so the Bible records, it records an interesting story. 
It's the story of King Nahash. He was the king of the Ammonites, and he enjoyed a long reign from the beginning of Saul's reign over Israel until some years after David was established at Jerusalem. He was uh, an enemy of Saul, but it appears that he may have also been a friend of David, uh, probably because he viewed him as also an enemy of Saul. So like, hey, we're on the same side. Many commentaries state that it was King Nahash who helped hide David from King Saul. And so there was a bond of loyalty between these two. And when Nahash died, David was now king. And if you've read anything, studied anything about David, you know that he, uh, aside from a couple of poor choices, he was, a pretty, he was a pretty decent guy, pretty loyal guy. And so Nahash died, and Nahash's son, Hanan, was now the, the king. And so David wanted to keep the same relationship with his son that he did with his dad. And so he sent some of his highest, most honored representatives with gifts of comfort and condolence. And 2 Samuel 10, verse 1, picks up and tells us about this. It says, sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died. His son, Hanan, became the king. David said, I am going to show loyalty to Hanan, just as his father, Nahash, was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, their master, do you really think these guys are here to honor your dad? No, David sent them to spy out our city and to come in here and conquer it. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their robes at the buttocks, and sent them back to David in shame. When David heard what happened, he sent messengers to tell the men, stay at Jericho till your beards grow out, and then come back, for they felt deep shame because of their appearance. And it made a terrible choice. He listened to the wrong voices. You see... His advisors were saying, do you think, you're, you think they're really here to honor your dad? No, absolutely not. They're here to, 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 to come in and spy out the land, and they're going to steal things. And, and these men were convinced that David was sending emissaries to check things out and then come back to harm them, stab them in the back, steal their women and children, and rob them blind. Hannon had zero reason to believe these voices. There had never been an inkling of this from David, from the Israelites at that time. There was no past record from David of insult, challenge, or offense. There was nothing currently going on that would believe, which caused one to believe this. It was not even logical for him to entertain this thought. But that's how a voice works. When our minds are allowed to roam, wherever our minds are allowed to roam, we will eventually follow. That's why the Bible talks about guarding your eyes, too. You can't watch everything. You can't watch everything that Hollywood produces and is put on a television or on a streaming device and go, well, we don't believe this. We just watch it for entertainment. You can't do that. Because when the eye is the window to the soul and when our, our eyes will view things long enough. I don't care if you're the greatest Christian to ever walk in shoe leather. The greatest of the great. 
you cannot, it's, it's, a, it's a scientific fact that what you view will impact your thoughts. That's not even a religious thing. That's just fact. And if I think about something long enough, eventually I will act upon those thoughts. I can't consume something through my eyes and think about something long enough and, and continue. If, if whatever, whatever I feed my mind, it will come out in speech and actions. And so, this is what the Bible constantly, it will talk about things like knowing your thoughts, controlling our thoughts, taking dominion over our thoughts, casting down our thoughts, guarding our thoughts. Because when we think about something long enough, it will overtake us. Whether that be sin, adultery, whether that be bitterness, hatred, anger. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That to me shows true, tr true transformation takes place in my mind. I can come to an altar. I can even go down in the waters of baptism. Really, theoretically, the definition of repentance is metaneo, which is a turning of a change of heart, a turning of, a change of mind, a turning about, an about face. And so, before you would ever get in the water, there has to be a change of thinking. And that's why I'll have a conversation with someone. Have you repented? Do you understand what repentance is? Because without repentance, all we do is go into water, a dry center, and come out a wet one. Nothing changes. But repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of thinking. And so something has to change in our thinking. And here he says, hey, don't be conformed to this world, but we must have transformation. Where does the transformation take place? It transformed, the transformation takes place right here. My mind has to change. I'm thinking about different things, pursuing different things, but something has to shift in my mind where I go, no, I might have been living this way, but I have to make a change. Even today, we're going to find a place to pray in just a little bit, and we're going to end this service, and I'll call people. Let's come to the front. Let's pray. We would, so many of us will come and say, I'm bringing a prayer of repentance. God, forgive me. This hasn't been a wonderful week. I haven't made great choices. But if our mind goes, I'm just still, even though it wasn't a good choice, forgive me for it, but I'm planning on doing it again tonight. Like there's no transformation there. That's not repentance. Repentance is a transformation in the mind. And we can't transform our thinking if the thinking remains the same. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And I like to just keep that up there because instead of talking to all oh, the rules of the church, forget the rules of the church. You're going to be spirit-led. I'm going to be spirit-led. But just it's a good idea to just go, hey, you know, let's just, everything that we're going to look at, think at, look, listen to, right? We can just measure it against this passage. So you might say, well, you know, you don't listen to 
to rap and I like to listen to rap. Okay, well, that's your choice for you and your family. But why don't you go, hey, does rap, is it true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report? If there's virtue in it, I, I, I don't think that probably would pass those tests. Well, you don't watch rated R movies. Well, me and my family, we watch rated R movies. Well, really, that's your choice. I can't control your life. But does a rated R movie, is it true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report? Probably not. So if you want to know, like, where do I, where do I set safeguards? Where do I draw lines in my life? I'm not going to draw those for you. I'm not going to try. We're not a cult. But if you're filled with the Spirit of God and you're pursuing Him, then let the Word guide your, guide your thoughts. Let the Word guide what you kind of establish for your home. I want to be thinking about things that are heavenly and true and just and pure. And as human beings alone, we're going we're gonna to battle against this at times anyway, just because of humanity. I certainly don't need more outside influence to try to stand for this. I, I need to know, you know what? No, I want to only view things. I only want to listen to things that are pure and just and lovely and good report. Why? Because I want to be holy. Because God's holy. And so our thought process has to truly be healthy. You think about congest congestion in a metro area. How many of you hate traffic? How many of you don't mind traffic? How many of you is it dependent on where you need to be and what time you need to be there? So I, I love the metro. I, 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 I'll say this, I've said it before, I'll say it publicly. At some point, I'm probably only gonna pastor like 20 more years. And at some point, before I stop pastoring, we will have a church plant in the heart of downtown Kansas City. Man, I want people to be able to go see a play and eat at Yard House or grab some food at BRGR and walk right past a UPC church. I want someone living in a downtown condo to be able to jump on the Kansas City streetcar and take it to church. I'm not being funny. I promise you this is on my radar. And it's going to be on yours too here soon. It's just God's giving me the direction on how it's going to roll out. But God's going to do this. And for me, I love metro. I love all areas. But I know that God's called me to a metro or suburban area. I never felt like God was calling us to go pastor in a place where I said, honey, I'm going into town. Do you need anything? Like, it's not me. It's just not me. Not knocking anybody. Some people, they, they like that, okay? Right? I know Kirby and Alice, they live on gravel roads, and there's no such thing as a clean car. I mean, like, it's going to be dirty all the time. That would drive me crazy. I'm not, I need to see my car. So we got ourselves four acres just on the outskirts of town. That's perfect. I get a little bit of both, best of both worlds. But everybody has different things. Now, when I pull in town and we hit traffic, unless I, again, that last question, unless I need to be somewhere and I'm like, come on. But for the most part, when I see traffic, I'm going civilization. I love it. This is people. These are souls. These are, 
These are individuals. Yeah, but there's homes everywhere. I hear, I sometimes I'm, I'm on these community posts. I'm leaving the area, all these homes going up. And I'm like, that's fine. That's what you want to do. But I'm going, man, Lord, talk about a mission field. You're just surrounding us with a mission field. I want to serve this community. I want to reach the lost. I want to make disciples. And we're right here. No longer do you just have to go, well, global missions. Thank God for global missions. Thank God for missionaries. We, we support them. We'll continue. But the day of, I want to go reach different cultures and different, you don't have to do that no more. They are in your backyard. All around you, you can make disciples who will go back to the various countries and they'll go take a gospel truth and change a nation because you reached out to a neighbor or to a college classmate. We have to think about that. And so, so for me, I see the cars, I see the vehicles, and I see the people, and I go, oh, Lord, thank you. But here's the thing. You think about congestion in a metro area. When you get too many people in, too many, in one small enough place, what happens? There gets to be congestion because sometimes there might be an interchange where these people are coming on, and these people are coming on, and these people are going straight, and the people over here are trying to get off like that. And you're going, whoa, what's happening is everyone's converging into one place in congestion. It's getting bottled up like that we have to kind of we have to guard our hearts and our minds when we get too many things flowing too many things merging and coming together in this one space it sometimes can block the free flow of the spirit you have a purpose Today, you have a purpose this week. This week in your life, you have a purpose. And I know for some of us, well, that purpose, yeah, to punch a time clock, to go grocery shopping, to, yeah, that's fine, all that. But your purpose is not just to punch a time clock. It's not just to go grocery shopping or wash your car. It's not just to cut the lawn. You have a purpose in this week. God has divinely placed you for such a time as this. And if we're not careful, all of the merging and incoming traffic can get, it congests to where we're not allowing God to flow and operate. See, look, Hanan took David's servants. He humiliated them. He seized them, cut, tore off their robes, cut their beard. And when he did this to them, it was this, it was this if he did this to David himself. Listening to the wrong voices, it produced an all-out war where Hanan and his people were utterly defeated. What a terrible choice. They were going to be allies. He was just sending a gift on behalf of, hey, your dad, he passed. We had a great relationship. I'm, I'm here to honor him. I sent my ambassadors. Didn't have to be like that. Hanan probably never dreamed that he'd be cutting off the robes of David's highest-ranking men. He most likely, he, he probably grew up knowing David. I mean, David would have been around. He probably knew him. Probably met him. But when we listen to the wrong voices, I never know which road we're going to travel down. I know a lot of great people who have pastored churches I will never, I heard a story about one guy. He says, I will never not baptize in Jesus' name. You go to their website now, they're not baptizing in Jesus' name anymore. Simply saying, careful what voices you're allowing into your, 
into your mind. Careful whose voices you're elevating and giving power and authority to in your life. Satan doesn't have a sword in his hand like Michael the archangel. Sometimes we, we, we think of Satan. I referenced it last week. He's like a lion, and we think of this big, powerful lion. Well, first of all, we already said, Samson just ripped that apart with his bare hands. But notice it says he's like a lion. Satan doesn't walk around like Michael the Ark. Satan doesn't have a big sword like, yeah. He was never given one. But Satan was given a voice. When we read in Ezekiel 28 about Satan's apparent fall from heaven, Scripture does not mention that his voice was taken from him in the fall. And that's why, to me, I would argue that one of Satan's greatest tools is using people's voice in music. He still knows how to use his voice. He used his voice to introduce temptation to Eve in the beginning of time when he said, hath God said. And he still uses his voice to try to twist truth and get inside our spiritual body. He wants nothing more than for you and I to have a spiritual autoimmune disease. What do I mean by that? He wants nothing more than for, to for us to have the body attack itself. Not just our personal bodies or our personal walks with God, but the corporate body. If he can just get you to entertain the idea, if his voice can just have enough sway to where you can hear it enough to go, yeah, hath God said, to where he can get inside of our thinking for just long enough to think about the, the brother or sister, I bet you they meant harm. Why would they say that? Why would they have not done that? They were trying to hurt you. I bet you they were trying to wrong you. I think they intentionally tried to leave you out. They don't really care about you. Why do you worship with those people? You go to that place, they say you're a church, ain't nobody there care about you. You could be gone, they wouldn't even know. Why was everyone else invited and you weren't invited? And something that, of course, we don't want to admit like, yeah, my feelings were devastated when they didn't invite my child to a birthday party or something. I'm not even, there's nothing specific, just the example. We would never want to walk up and publicly be like, yeah, I was devastated. I was ready to go to another church. But, Something in us, if we entertain the wrong voices, even though we can step back from the situation and go, yeah, that really is small, but when you're in the situation, it's all we see. To the point where whatever that is, X, Y, Z, whatever the situation, that we can look around and if we listen to the wrong voices, the body can actually destroy itself from the inside out. It doesn't even need outside influences because now it will turn against itself. I don't read many passages in scripture where God moved mightily in a situation where people were not unified. So something has to break unity. 
And what often breaks unity is discord or tailbearing, gossiping. And that's why God says, I despise it. Because if he can get the autoimmune disease, can get it and work its way into the body and the body can destroy itself from the inside out, we don't even need the outside influences. Maybe that's why scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That means every one of our thoughts need to be taken captive and say, you will obey Christ. You will obey the word. In order to think differently, to not be offended, to live as an overcomer, we must learn to cast down imaginations. And if we're honest, have you ever been in a moment, you don't have to even raise your hand, where somebody does something or doesn't do something, and your brain starts to write a narrative. I mean, you're just sitting there and somebody didn't just, you're like, they just walked by. I wonder why they walked by. You know what? A couple weeks ago, I think they walked by that time too. You know what? Hang on a second here. Because I think they've been having with a problem with me for a long time. And you know what I think that stems from? Because I remember I didn't go to their thing that they hosted. And I bet you they're still mad about that. You know, this is ridiculous. If this is the way people are going to treat me at church, I'll just go worship somewhere else. We, we, we literally write chapters of a narrative and somebody just literally had to go to the bathroom so they walked past you quickly. <laughs> and they didn't feel like stopping and talking to you and saying, hey, I'm about to go to the bathroom on my pants so I need to go. <laughs> and we done wrote six chapters of a narrative thinking about leaving the church and how they ain't true friends when they just had to go to the restroom. This is ridiculous humanity that we all are stuck in. And so we have to make a choice to see the best in people. Every person that you interact with, you, whether you admit it or not, are sizing them up. And we get to choose that this is a good person. They're stuck in a tough situation. I believe God's going to use their life. If they can come through this, man, I want to be a friend to them. Or we can go, leaker, loser. I feel like this is all they are. This is all they are. No. There's each time somebody comes in your life, I think if we could just pray, God, help me to see the very best in every person I come in contact with. I just don't think that Jesus went out and was like, I'm looking for the best resumes. This guy, man, he can't hold a job. This guy's not good with money. This guy, man, he only fishes, stinks like fish all the time. I don't want somebody traveling with me that stinks like fish all the time. He just walked up and he was like, you know what, that guy's just a fisherman. But boy, I see some strength I'm not seeing that guy for who he is today. I'm looking at that guy going, man, if I worked with him, I think he could be a world changer. 
Matter of fact, I could see that guy preaching to thousands of people. He's just a loser on a fisherman, can't even catch fish on a fishing boat. But he says, you know what, if I work with him, I could see his shadow healing people. I could see him preaching to the masses. I could see him planting churches, writing, penning part of my inspired word. But too often we just see a fisherman. God, help me to look at every individual and to see them through your eyes. Help me to see every person, every man, woman, and child, no matter how broken or how bitter or how angry they are, that I can look at them and go, wow, God, but if you get a hold of them, they could be a world changer. God, help me to to walk and see people that way. I want to cast down imaginations. I don't want to write narratives and run off with things. Every person, this, you might not believe this, you might not agree with this, but look around this place right now. Just look, take a look around. That doesn't mean only seven, just seriously, just bend your neck all around, unless you just got issues with your neck, don't do that. But just look around right now. Every single person that is sitting in every one of these chairs is a good person who's trying to please God. Is a person who loves people. They might love different people than you do. They might not interact with people the same way you do. But for the most part, you look and say, almost, these people here, they love people. Now, I didn't say everyone here is perfect. I didn't say everyone here is going to treat you the way you think you should be treated. I didn't say that you're always at fault and they're not. I don't, even, I don't say that about myself. I've said this a million times. We're going to do ministry. We're going to get in the trenches together. We're going to reach not just this community, but surrounding communities. And we're going to do it long enough that I'm going to do something or not do something that's going to offend you. It's going to hurt your feelings. I swear to you, I will never do it on purpose. But it's going to happen. And if you can start to write a narrative about what you think I wanted to do or I intended to do, the devil now is able to cut off the voice of a spiritual leader in your life. That's going to kill you spiritually. Not because I'm right. Because Lord knows, some of you in this place right now have come to me and said, hey, you did me wrong. And have we not cried it out and prayed and talked about it and said, you know what? Yeah, I did. I'm so sorry. Here's what I was thinking. I didn't intend that. But if we're not careful, we don't cast down these imaginations. If he can get... David Chatwell preaches tragedy of a wounded spirit because if you can get offended at one person and start to get bitter and angry at one, that's not just chapter one. Chapter two is the same story but a different name to the point where whenever you come to church, 
you're bitter and angry at someone, and you start looking at all of them going, hey, all of them. I'm just questioning him and her and him. they all. And then before we know it, we're going, they all do that at church. It's a dangerous spot. But it's one that we can only defeat by casting down imaginations. Because otherwise, the enemy can start to destroy us from the inside out doesn't even need external circumstances. Yeah, but the sins of this world, they're getting so big, so bad. He don't even need them. Spiritual autoimmune disease, they destroy from the inside out. That's why repentance, metaneo, change of thinking, it's not just a one time come to an altar, get baptized in Jesus' name. There's a constant, Lord, help me. Help me my thinking. I cast down imaginations. No, I'm not writing this narrative. No, I'm choosing to see the best. And the enemy's voice won't just do that with offense. He'll do that with truth. Does the method of baptism really matter? I mean, after all, there's a lot of people believe a lot of different things. As long as we believe in a higher being, water is water. We have the same intentions. But God's word spells out a plan. And so although I love everybody and I'm, all, I'm preaching and I'm going to go to, and we, me and Pastor Gavin visited another church recently outside of our denomination. Hey, listen, I, I want to make friends. I want to I have influence in our city. I love people. But I also know that if scripture lays out a specific way of doing something, then I'm going to do it that way. Do you really need the Holy Ghost? How about speaking in tongues? Is that really, does holiness still matter? seems like a lot of churches don't really push that. Is it really important for me to be in the, at the church when the doors are open? What about Sundays? Wednesdays, prayer meetings? I kind of have them ranked, you know? Like, what? Why should I serve in ministry and give up time? Precious time. There's voices, there's voices that'll speak different things at different times. And if we entertain them, Satan doesn't have a sword, but he's got a voice. And if we don't guard our minds, if we don't cast down imaginations, if we don't take dominion over our thoughts, then we can start to not only deal with, uh, oh, the sin ourselves, but it can also be bitterness, hatred, anger, choosing to be offended. It can also be, is truth really, is that a big deal? Is that important? I don't think that's necessary. You ever see someone fall a long way? They didn't just do that overnight. How in the world did they go from there to over there? It started with one voice and one topic, one thing, one offense, one issue. That's not a big deal. And before you know it, it's just. So I don't even preach this because I'm thinking our church is in danger. Our church is just not doing well. I'm preaching this because I want to stay doing well. I preach this because there's always going to be voices that are trying to say what matters, what doesn't matter. What matters is always the word of God. The voice of the enemy will say, everybody's okay. Obedience isn't make or break as long as we love God. But no, truth is still defined. Absolute truth is found in the word of God. See, if we don't do this before we know, we wake up and everything we've known has changed. 
Sometimes we might even have to wave goodbye to certain friendships. If someone close to me chooses to commit spiritual adultery, I'm not going to allow them to have a place of influence in my life. Someone chooses to walk away from God, I can still be kind to them, and, but I'm not gonna go on Facebook and go, oh, you look so beautiful, your life looks so bad, I'm so proud of you, when they're making choices that are against the word of God. I wanna be kind, but, I, but as a bride of Christ, I'm married to truth. Married to truth. We're guardians of truth. If anything, and I'm almost done today, but our brains, our minds, we have to guard our hearts and our minds. We have to cast down imaginations, not just for us, but you realize this. If the, if the mother's not healthy, it's very difficult for the children to be in a healthy place. And if we're the bride of Christ and the church is kind of that mother and he's the bridegroom, the church has to be a healthy place. But church has to be healthy so when people are born again, offspring are healthy. And it's the same way in our, in our homes. We're defenders of truth. We're married to truth. If your walk with God is here, it's very rare that your child's walk with God surpasses where your walk with God is. It happens. But I want to be a, a parent that leads the next generation. I'll be a pastor that leads the next generation and goes, hey, here's where we are. But like Jesus, where he goes, greater things than these you're going to do. I want the next generation to surpass anything our generation has done. I once heard a medical doctor tell me, when we're going through all this in the past couple of years, he said, once there's an autoimmune disease in a family, it's not a matter of if another family has one. It's just when you find it and what it is. Now, similar to this, when we allow the enemy's voice to plant itself deep within us, it can defile the temple of the Holy Ghost, which we are. And once this is allowed to happen, once this happens, you will find that other spiritual autoimmune diseases in other future generations. Because if the enemy can get inside my mind, in my heart, my home, that spiritual autoimmune disease is not going to be the only thing. There are some things that your children are going to deal with until you spiritually stand up and stop it. Until you say, enough is enough. Oh, I know my grandpa dealt with this and my dad dealt with this and I've been dealing with this. Oh, it's just always gonna be in my family, why? It's time that some parents or grandparents stand up and go, no, 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 no. There's been a spiritual autoimmune disease in my family for a couple of generations, but in our house, it stops right here. It's gonna stop right here. 
Oh, yeah, but that's just who I am. I'm just an angry person. No, you're not. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, we've always struggled with substances. Why? Stop now. Let this be. Your kids can grow up in a home where spiritual autoimmune diseases have been cured, have been broken. Because mom, dad, a grandparent stood up and stepped up and said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to cover my babies in prayer. I'm going to make my home an altar. We're going to have devotion. We're not going to just let anything in so they can listen to whatever they want. Yeah, but it's important to me. I'm friends with my teenager. It's important to me that I love my kids, but my first and foremost priority is I am called to raise them and disciple them. I hope that we're great friends along the way, but I will not trade that friendship to just let them do whatever, watch whatever, listen to whatever. In this day and age, parents and grandparents, we have got to have a stronger backbone than ever before. Do it. Because there's some battles we cannot lose. We cannot lose. I don't want the devil to destroy the church from the inside out. I don't want the devil to destroy my family from the inside out. I'm going to cover my children in prayer. Cover your kids in prayer. Cover your siblings in prayer. Cover, cover your grandkids in prayer. There is a war. The Bible tells us about a war. This isn't just a church gathering today. There is a spiritual battle going on for every single home in this place. Every home, every marriage is under fire. Every child, the devil wants Every single one of us. We don't have to live in fear, though. We just have to go, oh, no, no, not in my house. There's a prayer covering here. You're not welcome here. But I'm not going to say you're not welcome here and then invite him in through other forms of mediums. No. I'm casting down imaginations. Whatsoever pure, holy, just, virtuous, that's what I'm thinking of. That's what I want my kids thinking about. That's what, I, I don't want to just give them the what, I want to give them the why. I want them to understand why we live the way we live. This is just a bunch of rules in the house. No, we live this way because we're consecrated, committed, separated, sanctified unto our Lord and Savior. And when it comes time for the trumpet to sound, us, kids, grandkids, it's going to be worth it all because when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ arise first. Those of us which are alive and remain will forever be with the Lord and will be floating up with some family members. I certainly don't want to go, yeah, me and my wife made it. I wish my kids would have. You can stand to your feet today. Just as someone with an autoimmune disease can appear perfectly healthy at first glance. There's two members of my family that have autoimmune diseases. And if you went up, if you didn't know them, you wouldn't think anything, anything. They would look totally normal, healthy, no issues, nothing. You wouldn't even know. But in a spiritual autoimmune disease and physical, something inside the body is attacking itself and it's killing organs or causing pain. So it is with the modern-day Christian that sometimes we can look like everything's perfectly fine. 
We looked around, and you're probably like, man, these are all good people. Yeah, nobody's got any issues here today. There's no, there's no spiritual autoimmune diseases. He must be preaching to somebody online. But inside, inside, we might have something in there that's attacking us from the inside out. It's destroying things from the inside out. causing pain, trying to kill us spiritually. And God is looking at his church going, guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your eyes, guard your spirit, guard your thoughts, cling to truth, buy the truth and sell it not. Cling to holiness, purity, those things matter. Cast down imaginations. Think on the things that are lovely, pure, virtuous, just, holy. God's looking at us and he's challenging us to love truth, to cover our children in prayer, to make sure we're aware of what's going inside, to make sure that we know that the spiritual autoimmune disease, no, 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 not in my home, not in my church, not in my mind, not in my situation. You're not welcome here. Because as for me and my house, we're all going to serve the Lord. We're all going to pursue God. We're all going to make a choice about the things that my mind dwells on and my eyes view and my ears comprehend. Jesus, God help us today. Lord, you're challenging us. You're speaking to us about principles of truth. Lord, as we find an altar today to respond individually, this is one of those services, it's not just an individual response, it's a corporate response. It's us as a church joining together in unity. God, unity, God, for the next season of you, what you have called us as a body of believers to. And we unify today. We're not gonna write false narratives. We're gonna choose to see the best in one another. God, we don't want the enemy to destroy us from the inside out, not as individuals, not as a corporate body of believers, not as a family, not in our homes. God, we want to be aware of what's going on inside our hearts. We want to be aware of what's going on inside the walls of this church. We want to be aware, God, of what's going on, Lord Jesus. We want to be sensitive to your voice. Lord, we want to cast down imaginations where necessary. We want to think on things that are pure, holy, just, virtuous, God. Lord, we forgive our brothers and sisters. God, there's people here right now who are, who are struggling with bitterness and anger towards someone in this very building. God, but we forgive them. We release them, Jesus. Our narrative now is one of, oh, they didn't mean that. I see the best in my brother and sister. This autoimmune disease will not defeat this church from the inside out. God, we forgive. We love. We guard our hearts. We guard our minds. We guard our thoughts. In the name of Jesus. If you're tired and thirsty, there is freedom.
Thank you for joining us today. We know that you have so many online options, and so we're really grateful that you chose to be with Refuge Church today. And we want you to know that moving forward, we have weekly options for you to continue to tune in online. All times are Central Standard Time, but Wednesday evenings we have 7 p.m., and Sunday afternoons we have 2 p.m., and we're going to actually stay in that afternoon slot while we construct a new building. So we will be at that 2 p.m. slot for the next couple of years as we're sharing space with a church who has recently purchased our existing building. So we just pray that you will continue to tune in and view our services and worship with us online.